That's right, people. You're listening to another episode of Stronger Together, recorded live from CrossFit Fort Pierce. One way to help us get stronger, keep us together, and most importantly, keep us getting stronger together. With articulate dialogue. The, the, uh, the, then I'm gonna... Jake... <clears throat> I've been trying to do this the whole time. He's choked up. <clears throat> um, what was the rest of the question? I just, I've been really enjoying what, talking What did with you just say? You're... And mutual respect that rises above all the bickering. You're an <laughs> <laughs> Have the true. ability to, to uh, well, I know it's true. That's why I said it. Fair. He's a very jealous person. Yeah, he is very pro-masker when it comes well, my to... My wife turns the lights on. We cover the hard topics that others shy away from. I had a Skittle today. It has it has a sequence on it. Uh, that's like that's like my therapy with the people who love the gym the most. I'm not getting paid for this, guys. Just so you know. <laughs> what the he double hockey six is up, my jeeps? It's open week. Don't forget to rep your squid out all week at the gym by logging into Zen Planner and going to class. Also on Thursdays we got game day at your class of choice, and on Friday open day. Wear your team colors. We're still on for a post-wad celebration on March 11th, but there has been a change of venue. Saturday night, March 11th, we'll be meeting at Lil' Jim's. See, I wanted to do a Lil' John impression, but I think it started sounding more like Borat. A little Anyway, this week, Tony and I are joined by my sauna buddy, Coach Allen, and we talk about getting into it, eating pizza, seeing the devil, and a bonus edition of Netflix and chillin'. That's what we're spilling. Ready to soak it up? Three, two, one, go. Tony Allen's joining us today. Uh, what was your first impression, or tell us your first meeting with Allen, if you remember when you met him. So in, in preparation for the podcast, Alan and I actually uh, talked about this because I actually remembered him coming into the old gym, but apparently um, we had to get him in through his uh, brother-in-law and sister. Yep. And apparently... He told me that I, I had a nice little phrase to get him in the door. Yep. A so, nice little what? Phrase to get him oh, in the door. Oh, you got a nice little something got me in the door, but um, what was that nice little phrase? Tell him to get his ass in here. I had no idea. Quote, end quote. <laughs> yeah. I was talking to my sister after she'd been doing it, gosh, probably a year at that point, maybe. And I was really curious. She went and talked to Tony, and Tony looked at her and said, tell him to get his ass in here. It was like everybody. I had the same... Uh, not trepidation, the same concerns of, I don't know if what it's going to be like. I'm nervous. What you know? Am I going to get hurt? Blah blah blah. All that. What was your background athletically, or how did you uh, stay active before CrossFit? Growing up was soccer, and then soccer and swimming, and then college was just straight running, just for fun. I did some road races. Um, I did some sprint triathlons. And then at the time, just before CrossFit, I was just running. And I would do push-ups. I'd go to Anytime Fitness and do pull-ups and try to bench, do bro sesh stuff. And I found myself always doing a full-body workout every time I went in Anytime Fitness because I didn't. I was never the guy that enjoyed uh, back-and-by chest-and-try days. Mm-hmm. And I always wanted to feel like I got something full body every time I was in there, which was really counterintuitive to the way that you were supposed to work out in the mindset of most people at that time. And then when I came to discover CrossFit and I did my first workout, 
I remember going, wow, this is exactly what I've been looking for. Because to me, this method of working out makes sense. All body, all everything. And that being said, so 28, 29-year-old Alan comes in the door, pretty fit, obviously works out. Um, He caught on perfectly, got everything going. Cardio was there, just had to build the strength. Like a lot of people um, coming in just under 30, they're coming in for that competitiveness which CrossFit provides to its uh, gains and to its faults, to its benefits and to its faults. Um, so it's really got how to like give them the check the ego at the door and take the process slowly of learning and re-understanding what he's asking his body to do. That definitely was big learning curve for me, like Alan, everybody. Yeah, I see you nodding when Tony said, check your ego at the door, what did that mean for you? Check your ego at the door. Cause we talk about that quite a bit. And, and I don't think it's a universal, uh, application anyway, if it's a universal truth, what did it mean for you to check your ego at the door? For me in the beginning, when I came in, I came in super competitive, like most people that come from sports backgrounds and wanting to win every day. And there were a lot of different movements that my body was not accustomed to, especially with weight and moving the weight that we move weight. And there was a few times, um, more than a few, that where I would load my body and, and try to do too much too fast. The same thing that I coach against now. And that's coming from personal experience. I would find myself injured because I was trying to, I was listening to my ego and not listening to my body and not listening to Tony's coaching. Because Tony and I, going back when I first started, I was always trying to beat Tony. That was my, I was, let me, I wasn't about the workout. I was trying to, let me, let me see where we're at. Who's, who's shaking up on top of the leaderboard. And then as I got more into CrossFit, um, doing it longer, I guess I'm coming up on 10 years now, I feel like nine years this year and been coaching now for almost five in the, that four year window, eventually enough things happened where I was like, okay, I don't have to try to beat everybody every day. I can with maturity and in the sport, I figured out, let me see if I can get the best thing that I can do for me today. And sometimes that's coming on top of the leaderboard. Sometimes that's at the bottom. It's just and, well, and scaling appropriately. Scaling appropriately. So he had a lot of repetitive injuries, um, whether it was his rib or his lower back. And I as well had a lot of repetitive injuries. We'll say um, I had a problem with my lower back or my hips, so I couldn't. I literally couldn't raise one leg, and the other one I could raise all the way up. And so when we repeat, our scaling and our form is important. And how to be safe with the workouts we're doing it because we've made a lot of mistakes along the way exactly so everything that i'm coaching if you've taken any of my classes is that through my experience of injuring myself by not listening and not scaling appropriately i'm able to then coach this let's listen to this and i can see it because i went through i went through it where i injured myself so i'm aware of it in all the athletes when I see it happening. And so that's, Tony saw it in me, but he was like, this guy's hard headed. He's just going to have to <laughs> figure it out himself. And he would try, you know, we butt head, we butted heads a couple times, a few times um, that I remember vividly. So you know, you're not the only one. Yeah. Where he like had to check me. He was, cause 
the thing with me was I wasn't hearing Tony from a place of, I was so competitive, so much listening to my ego. I wasn't hearing him from a place of, I want you to be the best you can be. I thought he was trying to back me off so that he could keep winning. And it took me a long time to figure out Tony only wants the best for every single one of his athletes. We've had some other folks, I'm thinking of the conversation we had with Crystal, who talked about you know having to open herself up to trusting the coaching and the, the intentions. Tony, you've talked a lot about um, you know 70% six days a week is more mm-hmm. than 100% three days a week. Uh, I don't golf, but I've putt-putted <laughs> from time to time. And sometimes with a golfer's approach, the goal isn't trying to get ahead. It's to not fall behind. behind. Can you say a little bit more about making the right choices so that you're not regressing in a way that's inappropriate for your goals? So you have a couple of topics that I hope I'm going to hit all three of them. Uh, one, you're, if you work out 90% effort three days a week, it is uh, off the top of my head 270. You know, every time we do this, we use different math just to make sure that you no, still know good. how it's to good. Oh, he sounds okay. accurate. It sounds accurate. Yeah. Um, and then if you work out 70% for six days a week, you're at, you're at 420. It, it, however you want to acknowledge that, it's effort, it's perceived effort. Um, you can get more work done if you just back off your effort, your intensity a little bit. That was one, one thing. The other thing I want to hit on is I think a lot of people fall into the I want to beat Tony or Tony's trying to beat me category. Mm-hmm. And it is true. CrossFit presents an environment for competitiveness. My true passion has always been coaching. I want people to beat me. I want to set people up to Mm -hmm. beat me in the long term. Mm -hmm. I also want people to move really well and be healthy for a long term. Mm -hmm. Long term. Sometimes the goals don't align, right? Sometimes if you want to be good now and you want to be healthy when you're 90, sometimes they don't align. So that's where I think a little push and a pull comes in in my perspective versus people that just want to be really good right now. And I'm not a a fruit eater, but apples to apples and comparing apples to oranges makes sense to me. The problem with comparing ourselves to others is we, A, don't necessarily know how they're modifying, and then we give them that headspace, or we don't know what they're doing tomorrow, or I mentioned Crystal earlier. Crystal might be coming back in eight hours to do the same workout, so that is standard. But measuring against ourselves is always a fair comparison. Well, you know your own standard. Exactly. You know your own standard. You know your squat depth. You know your number count. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know what you do. Mm-hmm. And that's why you need to compare your score against your score. Are you getting better? Not is someone getting better than you. Right. And, and talk to me about the comparison here. There's 28, 29-year-old Allen who first begins, and then there's 29, 30-year-old Allen some nine years later. And see, I didn't have my calculator. <laughs> now coaching. Allen, what are some of the biggest differences in you? You mentioned some of the things that you did differently. As a whole, looking at yourself, evaluating yourself now, what are some of the big differences in you now than eight or nine years ago? The time put into the sport. The, there's so much that you gain from the one hour a day that you spend in this place that will move outside of these walls in every aspect of your life. And specifically to what you gain from doing the one hour a day in here through the nine years that I've been doing this, I've seen just incredible response in my body in how I feel every day, how I function in other tasks that I do. 
and in mindset of how I'm doing what I'm doing in here. I think the biggest change once I was able to let go of the ego was, and that was my personal thing. That wasn't, that had nothing to do with anything Tony was doing. That, when I was being competitive with him that way, that was my ego check that I had to figure out. And once I was able to let that go and then work alongside him and be competitive alongside of him, it was, it became a very different, uh, different headspace to where I saw a lot of improvement. Um, the largest thing I think in setting myself up to be the best in here and outside of here is doing, doing the hard look at yourself and are you coming into the gym to punish yourself or are you coming into the gym to celebrate and improve and be better that's a overall. huge, that's a huge, huge, huge perspective. So a huge aspect of my fitness for a long time was that I was coming in here to punish myself for mm. things that I was doing outside of here. And this was the way I was setting all of that stuff right. Once I figured out that once I changed the things outside of this place to where I was coming in as a celebration, instead of trying to work against whatever I had done outside of the gym. I'll leave that open to interpretation for all the listeners. Um, bad habits in drinking, eating, whatever have you, sleeping. Um, staying up late, staying watching YouTube. Staying up late, watching a lot of Netflix and, you know. Yeah, I mean, it, in a sense it sounds really lofty, but self-sabotage happens a lot more than we realize until we evaluate why we're doing, and you talk about, you know, looking back and saying, why am I doing this? You know, if we put that why to everything we did, <laughs> whether that's scrolling through the phone, whether that anything, self-sabotage is one of those things that kind of creeps up and sometimes takes a little bit of a... I think, I think the self-sabotage is a phenomenal topic yeah. because there's a point in time when I was under the self-sabotage route and you don't know you're doing it until it's too late, until you finally see the light and you go, oh man, why is that happening? But like you, you are chronic of it. You'll yo-yo yourself into self-sabotage. Yeah, talk talking about to it. me. Yeah. As well, now it's, you, know, you see Alan, you're like, oh, Alan, everything's fine for him. He can run a six minute mile. He's, he doesn't self-sabotage, but it shows in other ways. It's really interesting how we're all, we all self-sabotage ourselves in some way. So it's okay to do it a little bit, but it's when it's out of control is when it becomes problematic. Well, we talked about last week, you know, a choice I made at 10 o'clock at night when I'm hungry, which doesn't necessarily sound self-sabotage, but it is. It's that, well, I'm giving up on the day and I screw it. You know, anything yeah. that begins with ah, screw it. Well, or, it's probably no what happens deal. when you hit the first episode of Netflix at 10 p.m. So the way that yeah. spirals is you give into that. You go to bed a little bit later. You wake up feeling a little crummier. You'd plan to go to the gym. Maybe you get to the gym a little bit later than you wanted to, just by a few minutes. That makes you feel crummy. Then you start the workout, and then you try to use that workout as your way that you set right everything that you did wrong in yeah. the past 12 hours. Yeah. Whereas if you had just decided not to eat that or not turn on the TV and go to bed and set yourself up for the next morning, waking up feeling good, coming in on time, getting your workout, you don't have a sense of guilt that you're trying to get away from, yeah. then that is something that liberating. develops through, it's liberating. And it's something that's developed through the discipline. If you, if you, if you are disciplined to come in here 
religiously. I mean, CrossFit's the new church anyway, right? Yeah, you, amen. If, if, you're, if you're in here and you commit to that, eventually you don't have a choice but to fix yourself. And talking about religiously, uh, let's talk about guilt. <laughs> because guilt-driven training is never a good idea, is it, Tony? It's I not. mean, it has its place, and I, I can see when it, it makes people move faster and work harder. I've been there. I've worked out with negative intentions before, but, man, being happy with my body, with my, my mind and my soul, and just working out to celebrate is such a more peaceful place to be. In, in getting things dialed in at home is really where the hard work is. Alan can come in here one hour a day, every day, schedule depending, and be fine. It's the cues that your body and your mind are giving you at home and controlling them. That's where the real work really is. Yeah, and another thing we've been talking about, you and I, uh, a lot, Alan, is, is regret. Because regret comes right after guilt for me. Sometimes simultaneous, sometimes, I mean, re regret is just part and parcel with that. I didn't mobilize when I had the free time I sat and scrolled. I didn't eat right, so I'm paying for it the next day. But part of moving, I think, from guilt-driven to the celebration is kind of forgiving yourself and saying, but I'm starting new now. It doesn't matter what happened yesterday. Even when that first workout isn't going that way, at some point you have to kind of reset your mind to be like, I cannot control that, so I'm going to stop punishing myself for yesterday. You want to talk a little bit about that? Kind of? Sure. Um, for that, when you, you – there comes a little bit of grace that you have to give yourself to because 100%. there's going to be time. There's going to be time that it takes for you to, to get yourself where you want to be. It's not going to be something that happens immediately. So that, that little bit of guilt or the regret that happens, if you're working to improve yourself, give yourself the grace. If you're not working to improve yourself and you're, you're sitting in your comfort zone and you're not doing anything to change it, that's when you have to get a little bit David Goggins with yourself and like <laughs> get off the couch and go do something, you know, yeah. change it. If you want, if you, nobody's, nobody cares about you, but you, I mean, nobody's going to care as much about yourself as you. So well, at least that's what it should be. Exactly. You should be the one who's advocating and caring for yourself. Exactly. Enough, but Nobody, that's a, you know, nobody's going to come pick you up and change it for you. So nobody can really though. Exactly. Because Nobody can make you stop eating. Nobody can make you go to bed. Nobody can make you stop binge watching. Yeah. Nobody can make you get up and run. Yeah. But once you start making those changes and you grab that momentum of the feel good, like that first day you wake up that you went to bed early and you wake up without that sense of regret or shame or guilt or whatever, and you wake up and you feel good, focus on that. Yeah. And then that will start the momentum rolling, move into the next thing, move into the next thing. And then the next thing you know, you're where you wanted to be. And then you're at another spot where you're like, okay, well, what's the next step now? Where am I going to improve from here? Yeah, Tony's talked a lot about using the kind of reward-based language that um, A, recognizes progress, and B, is, is realistic. Well, and also what you'd use on your kids. Right. Like you reward yourself like you'd reward your kid. Yeah. And so, Alan, you're talking about some, some, some things that drop for me, instant and delayed gratification. Right. Having that drink right now uh, would, would feel better than because it's now. Right. But it won't feel as good as the reward I get tomorrow or going to bed now is the same type of thing, Tony. Right. So that if you have training your mind to celebrate that victory. If you have the power, and this is a, this is a great little thing that I've really enjoyed is going uh, David Goggins' most recent book. I 
blanking on the name of it right now. I think it's never finished. Um, he talks about a one-second decision. He says that in a lot of people ha- will experience a lot of regret while they're suffering because of a one-second decision. So if you know that when you, in your habit, in your comfort zone, when you get home from work and you have dinner, and then you know what your routine is after that, whether you've been to the gym or not, you know your routine that makes you feel good or, or makes you feel comfortable even though it may not make you feel good the next day. That one-second decision is that split second where you decide to do that thing that's going to make you feel regret or you decide to not do it. If you think about that one-second decision ahead of time, you're prepared for it. So application would be the rest of the day once I get home from work. If I know that I've got ice cream in the fridge and after I finish dinner, I'm going to want to go open that ice cream. If I think about the process of me going and doing that and then I think about how that ice cream is going to make me feel tomorrow morning, beer, whatever, it doesn't have to be ice cream, how I'm going to feel tomorrow morning because I had that beer or I ate that ice cream, once you think through that process, it takes the power away from that one second decision. And caring about yourself enough to stick with what you've already decided. Right. A couple of rapid fire things, talking about religion. Alan, have you once seen the face of the devil at CrossFit? Yes or no? Tell us context. Yeah, definitely have. And that's, that was, it was probably a rowing burpee workout. And I feel like I came out of my body. It was an open wad. Do you remember that, Tony? There was an open wad, and Alex said, I think I saw the I face saw of the, the devil. I saw the face of the devil. Yeah, I do remember that very vividly. I was laying on the floor. We're in the gym right now, for those of you listening. And I was by the, the second pole in, and I remember laying on the ground and, and eyes wide. I had the, uh, the billy. Okay. <laughs> the, the Tony, billy evangelize. Alan saw the face of the devil, but the open is still a good thing. Tell us why. The open uh, pushes people to do things that they maybe wouldn't normally do, and it challenges people outside of our normal uh, procedures to push themselves because it's not about uh, finishing first or last. It's about challenging yourself to do things that you um, haven't done before and maybe set new goals for next year moving forward. That's coming out the evening of the 16th. First open wad is on the 17th. Alan, uh, BS or not BS, 10,000 steps. Go. I'm a big fan of that. There's a reason that um, there's 10,000 steps programmed into every smartwatch, Fitbit, everything. Because they're controlling us from China? Uh, could be that. Or it could be that that's the minimum amount of distance that your body needs to move to know that it can rest. So 10,000 is what they've studied, 10,000 hours, 10,000 steps. If you've moved 10,000 steps in the day, then they say that you'll be able to sleep. So the most elite special forces soldiers that have trouble sleeping, they instead of giving them a pill or anything, they tell them to go outside and walk. And then once they've they're used their body enough, then they've been able to fall asleep. That's, that's, the, rest, that's the prescription they're giving them. So that's why 10,000. So I like to monitor that on my watch to know. It's a, it's a, a game theory reward, as you like to... You yep. like metrics? Yep. Love game um, It's one of those things where it's like, yeah, I hit that today, but it's also okay. I know that I've I've worked enough today to where Something I'm going to think so about. So if for you monitor it, what's your like? If you had to give a get, uh, average, average for me, it's like fifteen thousand. I'm thirteen to fifteen. Yeah, I, on a on a low day, I'm probably fifteen from wor- working because we work around. Right. Walk around. Okay, last one, Tony. You are known for your comedic timing, your beautiful butt, and your commitment to boring types of pizza. Have you changed your mind recently? If so, why? Yes, because uh, of Janet and Lori Jane. Um, I 
have been very anti-pineapple on pizza, but I love jalapenos. So they got me onto a jalapeno pineapple pizza. Also jalapeno. That sounds amazing. Yeah. Wow, I still work at Jalapeno. <laughs> Jalapenos. Proof that anything can happen in this new year, ladies and gentlemen. We're talking to you, Charlie. Get ready. Your podcast is next. Alan, thank you for the conversation. Love Thanks for having me. Glad you're here. Perfect. Because we can, if, if you want to add this in later, Co- you can. After right. hours. All right. So my question is, at what point do you, are you tired and exhausted and go, oh, good idea to turn a TV show on right now? Because for me... Not that I'm perfect, but when I'm tired and I'm done, I literally just want to go crawl up in bed. And there's no TV in my bedroom for a reason. Oprah says there's actually two reasons. There's two reasons. Yeah. You can. You can. Do you want to go first, Neil? Or do you want me to go first? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I do, because I want to give you a, a moment to unpack it. We were talking about this yesterday, Tony, because I'll look at a show or hear something uh, like a podcast. Go. That'll be perfect to nap to. My answer to you is I don't make that decision. I live my evenings in a fear of dead silence. So my habit without any decision is – go ahead. You do understand that napping to and sleeping to audible sounds is not letting you sleep as well? Unless it's white noise. Oh, I'm looking – or brown noise. But, that yeah, that's a whole other – there's apps that like pink noise. I would be the pink noise guy, wouldn't I? But My but, point is though, if you listen to a podcast, you're actually not listening to the podcast and you're actually not sleeping. Right, because I'm afraid of that space where I'm not engaged in at least one other thing. I'll have the TV on and a podcast while I'm trying to read. Literally, um, on the nights that I've have you ever taken medication for ADD? Hey, listen, I've taken medication (laughs) for everything. Um, On the nights where I've made the right decision, which are so seldom, it's been with what you were talking about earlier, Alan. The I don't feel ready for bed, but I know if I make this decision now, I will celebrate it tomorrow. Doesn't happen a lot, but I have to intentionally get myself, and I know habits are decisions, but they're so not calculated because they're so pre-developed. I have a question and a statement, but I need to wait until after Alan answers yeah. this. All right, so I'm, I'm going to piggyback off Neil a little bit with my answer too. Number one is um, FOMO. Yeah. I feel like... It started for me in high school, college, where I worried that if I went to bed, I was going to miss out on something. Which is I interesting because since high school, I had heard, ain't no party like an Alan Cooley party because an Alan no, Cooley that's party don't not stop. True. That's not oh, true. That's not true. I was very, very boring. But the, uh, I, it, was, it was something that was in my nature that I felt that if I went to bed, I was going to miss something. And truth be told, everybody went to bed except me. So then I started unpacking it a little bit more as I got older. And I came to realize it was something that Neil hit on without saying it indirectly. I was not comfortable sitting with myself. And so the more that I had something actively going, a television show, a podcast that I was listening to, whatever it was, it, it kept me from sitting with myself. So that was part one. Part two is that it was my time for me because yes, I spend queen. my time throughout the majority of the day giving everywhere. And so that was the me time. The kids have gone to bed. Ashley's gone to bed. She loves when I go and tuck her in. And then I c- 
come back out. It's a routine we have, and I turn on a television show and I start watching it. So that was the time for me to spend with myself that was only for me, and I get to have that whatever window of time it is. The point where I know I should go to bed and I don't turn it off is the FOMO. So once I've gone through that me time stage, it gets to a point where I'm like, all right, I should probably go to bed now. I could fall asleep. No, I got to know what happens in that episode. So there's that aspect of it too. But what I've found since changing that is that the me time happens inside the day when I'm not focused on having the me time separate from it. And I, I know that doesn't make complete sense but if you want to talk if, to me more about if you, it so okay. if you like if you take your me time during the day instead of separating go oh when i'm done with this i can have me time. while you're doing the activities that you think you're giving to other people you realize that's also you can take minutes you, you can take time to right. and i think of a lot of the moms that that we know that you know work and then um come and, and care for children for example and then by the time the kids go to bed it's like no i don't want to go to bed now i just earned my time yeah, that's, that's a Instead of thing. just taking that time during the day. Yeah. So we can all agree that sleeping is really beneficial for us. Oh, gosh. Yeah, yeah we can all uh, agree arguably that. Arguably the most important thing. The most important Last thing. Last week, Tony said it twice. It was so important. Yeah, arguably. We can, we can agree that probably sleeping in silence, not listening to TV, podcasts, or movies. And that's a mathematical thing. Seven hours of sleep holding your breath or trying to you know be subconsciously engaged versus five hours of deep sleep but we can agree so, that so we neil, can agree not not being distracted I- during sleep is probably yep yeah. yeah. um, neil, neil likes metrics I, I like keeping it simple the way tony is if you find a way that you sleep well and you feel good when you wake up do that yeah. don't worry about the time that you're sleeping that will come don't yeah. worry about the way that you fell asleep that will come yeah. just put yourself in the bed and if you can't fall asleep just lay there read until a book you read a book i bet you'll fall asleep Start reading a book, you guaranteed will fall asleep. Yeah, you read a book, you fall asleep in bed. Um, so we can agree that that sleeping is very important. We can agree that not having distractions while sleeping is important. It's interesting because I feel like a lot of people struggle with this. Now, I'm not perfect to it. My wife is very much like Alan and, and gets roped into the next TV show, the next TV show. When a TV show ends with suspense and I'm tired... I'm very much excited to watch it tomorrow. Oh my god, I don't like, even understand that. Like, no, no this is what's interesting. Like, <laughs> I, have to I could know right literally now. leave that TV show at that point and be like, oh, I get, I get, I'm excited to watch it tomorrow. So the interesting thing about what he's saying is that coming from a place where my whole life I've gone ahead and watched to see what happened next. Ten yeah. more minutes. Now, ten more minutes turns into a whole another yeah. episode. Now, one of the I'm just gonna start it. One yeah. of the changes that I've done is I've started. Okay, I'm gonna leave this till tomorrow. Number one, I stopped caring as much about that show because I went to bed and I realized I feel really good the next day. Because you had the willpower to walk away from it. And then I could watch it again without that compulsion of I have to know what happens, but I was excited to watch it. But I could leave it three, four days before I came back to it. Yeah. So that's been a change that's happened to me recently as well. And I think that this You get less through, invested into the characters and yeah, the plot line. through maturity. I yeah. became more invested in my personal life than I did what's happening in a TV show. Well, mm-hmm. that's it. We began this conversation talking about the why. And Tony uh, at the Whole30 meetings reminds us, we are the type of person that our, our morals don't define who we are. Our decisions define who we are. And so at the end of the day, 
Um, do I care more about the Love is Blind cast than I do Yourself. my body? Okay, so you've I've hit the nail on the head with this. We watch these shows, we read these books, we listen to the podcasts because we like, it's fantasy, we like to envision ourselves as that character or being a part of that character. The newsflash is that you are the main character in your life. As Correct. far as we know... You're the superhero in your own story. Exactly. As far as we know, we get one shot at this, right? So this is your chance to be your main character. So if you're looking and you're reading a book or you're watching a show and you come upon a decision point in your life, if you step back away from it and you look at it as, if I was reading this, what will I wish that main character would have done? And you make the decision that way, as opposed to the instant gratification or instant reward way, saying, okay, I wish this character would have done this, then you will start to find yourself making better and better decisions for yourself. And my, my last note is to know and to not do is to not know. Correct. So if you, if, you can, if you know I'm supposed to do this, but you can't do it, you need to go back to the drawing board and relearn how to do it. Going back to fundamentals. So I'll go back to the basics. If we're living our lives as if our best days are today and tomorrow, we've given ourselves the grace to say, you know what, my most powerful potential begins right now and continues then no matter what it is, how we're eating, how we're treating the people around us, uh, and how we're preparing ourselves. I just I have to laugh when, you know, the night before the podcast it's revealed you're you're cramming, preparing. You know, sometimes preparing is something we don't have the luxury for. Right. But there are always little decisions we can make in preparation for our most powerful moment. That's you can cool. almost predict your reaction to almost every scenario that comes at you. You can go, okay, when my kids come up and ask me for goldfish, I'm not going to eat the goldfish. Whatever that scenario is, you can plan out your whole day and you can determine what your response is going to be to everything that comes throughout your day. And now we've come full circle back to the one second decision. You can, you can make those decisions today. You can plan out your whole week on, I'm going to say yes or no to this. Mm -hmm. When someone says, do you want to drink and you're out socially? I'm going to say yes, but I'm going to have one. When someone says, do you want to drink at home? I'm going to say no because it's not really fun socially, whatever. You can make these decisions and you can create rules to your life to guide you so you're not just out of control the whole time. Mm -hmm. And nobody knows you better than yourself. So when you're looking at those one-second decisions, like Tony's saying, when you're thinking through those scenarios prior to them happening, if you know yourself well enough, let's say, yeah, I'm going to have one drink when I go out. But if you know yourself well enough and you know that you have that one drink, that's going to lead to you having four, five, six, seven, then you're going to make the decision don't have if it. You know get, get, you a soda, do, get a soda water line. You don't know anyway. Right. Yeah. So if you keep that perspective that you're watching yourself as the main character in your movie or you're reading yourself as the main character in your novel, you will continue to make those one-second decisions for the betterment of yourself with balance but always improving. And then perhaps as a last word, the why isn't because I'll look better. Maybe it's not even yet because I'll feel better or because my spouse will be mad, but because I deserve it. Because yeah, I'm exactly. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. There it was, people from the gym or PIMS. We'll see you at the big gym for the CrossFit Open, and we'll see you at Lil Gyms for the after party on March 11th. While you're at it, make my mama proud and bust out a quick subscribe button, mash. We'll see you in a week or so. In the meantime, don't forget to do good, eat well, and in between, take a
Little Time to Be Back.